Chapter Twelve of Wild Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Goff. Wild Wales by George Burrow. Chapter Twelve. I had inquired of the good woman of the house in which we lived whether she could not procure a person to accompany me occasionally in my walks was well acquainted with the strange nooks and corners of the country, and who could speak no language but Welsh, as I wished to increase my knowledge of the colloquial Welsh by having a companion who would be obliged, in all he had to say to me, to address me in Welsh, and to whom I should perforce have to reply in that tongue. The good lady had told me there was a tenant of hers, who lived in one of the cottages, which looked into the Perllan, who, she believed, would be glad to go with me, and was just the kind of man I was in quest of. The day after I had met with the adventures which I have related in the preceding chapter, she informed me that the person in question was awaiting my orders in the kitchen. I told her to let me see him. He presently made his appearance. He was about forty-five years of age, of middle stature, and had a good-natured, open countenance. His dress was poor, but clean. "'Well,' said I to him in Welsh, "'are you the Cumro who can speak no Saxon?' "'In truth, sir, I am.' "'Are you sure that you know no Saxon?' "'Sir, I may know a few words, but I cannot converse in Saxon, nor understand a conversation in that tongue.' "'Can you read Cymraeg?' "'In truth, sir, I can.' "'What have you read in it?' "'I have read, sir, the Ascrothir Lan, till I have it nearly at the end of my fingers.' "'Have you read anything else besides the Holy Scripture?' I read the newspaper, sir, when kind friends lend it to me. In Cambraig? Yes, sir, in Cambraig. I can read Saxon a little, but not sufficient to understand a Saxon newspaper. What newspaper do you read? I read, sir, Aram Sarai. Is that a good newspaper? Very good, sir. It is written by good men. Who are they? They are our ministers, sir. Of what religion are you? A Calvinistic Methodist, sir. Why are you of the Methodist religion? Because it is the true religion, sir. You should not be bigoted. If I had more Cumbraig than I have, I would prove to you that the only true religion is that of the Llogrian Church. In truth, sir, you could not do that. Had you all the Cumbraig in Cymru, you could not do that. What are you by trade? I am a Gwehith, sir. What do you earn by weaving? About five shillings a week, sir. Have you a wife? I have, sir. Does she earn anything? Very seldom, sir. She is a good wife, but is generally sick. Have you children? I have three, sir. Do they earn anything? My eldest son, sir, sometimes earns a few pence. The others are very small. Will you sometimes walk with me if I pay you? I shall be always glad to walk with you, sir, whether you pay me or not. Do you think it lawful to walk with one of the Hloigrian church? Perhaps, sir. I ought to ask the gentleman of the Hloigrian church whether he thinks it lawful to walk with the poor Methodist weaver. Well, I think we may venture to walk with one another. What is your name? John Jones, sir. Jones, Jones. I was walking with a man of that name the other night. The man with whom you walked the other night is my brother, sir. And what he said to me about you made me wish to walk with you also. But he spoke very good English. 
My brother had a turn for Saxon, sir. I had not. Some people have a turn for the Saxon, others have not. I have no Saxon, sir. My wife has digon yawn. My two youngest children speak good Saxon, sir. My eldest son, not a word. Well, shall we set out? If you please, sir. To what place shall we go? Shall we go to the Pontecasithlai, sir? What is that? A mighty bridge, sir, which carries the Camlas over a valley on its back. Good. Let us go and see the bridge of the junction, for that, I think, is the meaning in Saxon of the Pontecasithlai. We set out. My guide conducted me along the bank of the Camlas in the direction of Fruabon, that is, towards the east. On the way we discoursed on various subjects, and understood each other tolerably well. I asked if he had been anything besides a weaver. He told me that when a boy he kept sheep on the mountain. Why did you not go on keeping sheep? said I. I would rather keep sheep than weave. My parents wanted me at home, sir, said he, and I was not sorry to go home. I earned little and lived badly. A shepherd, said I, can earn more than five shillings a week. I was never a regular shepherd, sir, said he, but, sir, I would rather be a weaver with five shillings a week in Llangollen than a shepherd with fifteen on the mountain. The life of a shepherd, sir, is perhaps not exactly what you and some other gentlefolks think. The shepherd bears much cold and wet, sir, and he is very lonely. No society save his sheep and dog. Then, sir, he has no privileges, I mean gospel privileges. He does not look forward to Deeth's seal as a day of Llawenith, of joy and triumph, as the weaver does, that is, if he is religiously disposed. The shepherd has no chapel, sir, like the weaver. Oh, sir, I say again that I would rather be a weaver in Llangollen with five shillings a week than a shepherd on the hill with fifteen. Do you mean to say, said I, that you live with your family on five shillings a week? No, sir. I frequently do little commissions by which I earn something. Then, sir, I have friends, very good friends. A good lady of our congregation sent me this morning half a pound of butter. The people of our congregation are very kind to each other, sir. That is more, thought I to myself, than the people of my congregation are, for they are always cutting each other's throats. I next asked if he had been much about Wales. Not much, sir. However, I have been to Pencar Gibby, which you call Holy Head, and to Beth Gellert, sir. What took you to those places? I was sent to those places on business, sir. As I told you before, sir, I sometimes execute commissions. At Beth Gellert I stayed some time. It was there I married, sir. My wife comes from a place called Dolgellin, near Beth Gellert. What was her name? Her name was Jones, sir. What, before she married? Yes, sir, before she married. You need not be surprised, sir. There are plenty of the name of Jones in Wales. The name of my brother's wife, before she married, was also Jones. Your brother is a clever man, said I. Yes, sir, for a Cumro he is clever enough. For a Cumro? Yes, sir, he is not a Saxon, you know. Are Saxons then so very clever? Oh, yes, sir. Who so clever? The cleverest people in Llangollen are Saxons, that is, at carnal things. For at spiritual things I do not think them at all clever. Look at Mr. A, sir. Who is he? Do you not know him, sir? I thought everyone knew Mr. A. He is a Saxon, sir, and keeps the inn on the road a little way below where you live. He is the cleverest man in Clangotland, sir. He can do everything. He is a great cook, 
and can wash clothes better than any woman. Oh, sir, for carnal things, who's so clever as your countryman? After walking about four miles by the side of the canal, we left it, and bearing to the right, presently came to the aqueduct, which strode over a deep and narrow valley, at the bottom of which ran the Dee. This is the Ponte Kursult, sir, said my guide. It's the finest bridge in the world, and no wonder, if what the common people say be true, namely that every stone cost a golden sovereign. We went along it. The height was awful. My guide, though he had been a mountain shepherd, confessed that he was somewhat afraid. It gives me the pendro, sir, said he, to look down. I too felt somewhat dizzy as I looked over the parapet into the glen. The canal which this mighty bridge carries across the gulf is about nine feet wide, and occupies about two-thirds of the width of the bridge and the entire western side. The footway is towards the east. From about the middle of the bridge there is a fine view of the forges of the Kevin Bach, and also a huge hill near it called the Kevin Mau. We reached the termination, and presently crossing the canal by a little wooden bridge we came to a village. My guide then said, If you please, sir, we will return by the old bridge, which leads across the Dee in the bottom of the vale. He then led me by a romantic road to a bridge on the west of the aqueduct, and far below. It seemed very ancient. This is the old bridge, sir, said my guide. It was built a hundred years before the Ponte Kisult was dreamt of. We now walked to the west, in the direction of Langotlin, along the bank of the river. Presently we arrived where the river, after making a bend, formed a pool. It was shaded by lofty trees, and to all appearance was exceedingly deep. I stopped to look at it, for I was struck with its gloomy horror. That pool, sir, said John Jones, is called Llyna Methwin, the drunkard's pool. It is called so, sir, because a drunken man once fell into it and was drowned. There is no deeper pool in the Dee, sir, save one a little below Llangotlin, which is called the pool of Catherine Lingo. A girl of that name fell into it whilst gathering sticks on the high bank above it. She was drowned, and the pool was named after her. I never look at either without shuddering, thinking how certainly I should be drowned if I fell in, for I cannot swim, sir. You should have learned to swim when you were young, said I, and to dive too. I know one who has brought up stones from the bottom, I dare say, of deeper pools than either, but he was a Saxon, and at carnal things, you know, nothing so clever as the Saxons. I found my guide a first-rate walker and a good botanist, knowing the names of all the plants and trees in Welsh. By the time we returned to Llangotlin, I had formed a very high opinion of him, in which I was subsequently confirmed by what I saw of him during the period of our acquaintance, which was of some duration. He was very honest, disinterested, and exceedingly good-humoured. It is true he had his little skits occasionally at the church, and showed some marks of hostility to the church cat, more especially when he saw it mounted on my shoulders, for the creature soon began to take liberties, and in less than a week after my arrival at the cottage generally mounted on my back when it saw me reading or writing for the sake of the warmth. But setting aside these same skits of the church, and that dislike of the church cat, venial trifles after all, and easily to be accounted for, on the score of his religious education, I found nothing to blame, and much to admire in John Jones, the Calvinistic Methodist of Langotlin. End of chapter 12